Everyone, everybody, how you doing? You doing all right? You enjoying your fall? You enjoying the weather? Okay, well, I love this weather. I like this time of year. I like the changing of the leaves. I'm glad you're here today. This is a very special day. As I said before, this kicks off our fall giving. I'm going to explain this. I'm going to spend some time, about five minutes, explaining a little bit of this. And then we're going to receive our give offering. So once again, we usually don't do this. We don't take two offerings in church. Usually we just do this about once a year, maybe twice a year. But this is, I'll explain what this is about. And then I'm going to dive into the rest of, of uh, today's message because we have to finish up this series, The Devil, today. In 2 Corinthians 9 and 10, it says, For God is the one who provides seed to the farmer. And then, For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every, in every way so that you always be so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. This is probably one of my favorite passages on generosity simply because it explains how God works in our lives. And I talked, I talked a lot, and a few weeks ago I spent, as I talked about our story, I talked about how God uses faith code to be generous, and I showed you some of the things that we've done. But I want to tell you that, that I believe that God resources people who decide to be generous, people who decide to walk in their gift of giving, that God will resource you. It's not because I'm a positive thinker and I have faith, it's because I have faith in the scriptures, and I have faith in what God has said. And I believe that as we have decided to be generous at Faith Co. Church, and we've decided that for the last 13 years that we're going to do Bikes for Kids, I believe God has resourced us, and he has resourced you and me with the ability to be able to do these things. It takes a lot of money. If I were to tell you that, hey, we need to raise $50,000 over the next four weeks in order to, to buy five or 600 bikes, that would be, you'd go, wow, it's Christmas time. But I'm telling you, we've been doing this. This will be our 13th year, and we're going to do it again. And it's not because, you know, it, it, it's... It's, I'm telling you what it is. It's simply because we decide to do it, and God resources us with the ability to do it. We decide that we want to do it. So I believe that God resources us, and I believe that God blesses us, and it says there that he will enrich you in every way, that, that, that it's not, that I believe that it doesn't have to feel like a sacrifice, that you don't have to decide whether or not you're going to buy your kids Christmas or you're going to help people that are in need. I really believe that, that as we walk in this, that God begins to bless us. So Real quickly, let me talk to you a little bit about what's going on. Here in just a minute, we're going to receive an offering to kick off our, our annual give, or our uh, end of the year giving. But this offering is, first of all, going to jumpstart Bikes for Kids, but it's also going to do some things in our community. We help some organizations in our community, and we do some, some local and world missions through this offering that we're about to receive and it, like I said, it's going to kick it off. So maybe you're, here, you're hearing this for the first time, even though we've been talking about this for the last five weeks. Maybe you're hearing this for the first time and you're not prepared. That's okay, because we have a window for about the next 30 days that we're going to, that we can uh, receive what people are giving, but uh, today kicks it off. So let's talk about this. First of all, it's going to, first of all, it's going to provide an offering for Bikes for Kids. It's going to provide an offering for some local charities that we help. It's also going to provide a Christmas time offering for some of the people that we help in our foreign missions. First of all, we, we help an organization, or we started helping an organization last year called Hope House Orphanage in Africa. 
The outfit, the organization is planted here in Shawnee, and they have this incredible orphanage in Africa. We're going to help them this year. Um, also, Jim, Greater European, European Missions, Youth for Christ. Uh, my daughter's actually a part of that. We, we help them. We're going to help them this year. Cambodia Church Mission, we help them every year. Sokhan, uh, that's his name, Sokhan. We, we help him. You might see some of their pictures up there. There he is on the far right. Uh, El Salvador Mission, we help the church in El Salvador and San Salvador. We give them a, a Christmas offering. So we, there's different four missions that we help. So let's specifically, I want to get specific about Bikes for Kids because that's the main thing that we do. Faith Co. is known for Bikes for Kids. If you, were, if, you go, if you were at the Shawnee football game this past weekend, they announced Bikes for Kids. You're going to hear a lot of this. You may hear a lot of this in the community. It's presented to some of the organizations like Kiwanis and, and things like that. There's about 35 to 40 different businesses that help us besides that go beyond what we do in church. But Faith Co. Church, we do the bulk of Bikes for Kids every single year. So first of all, November the 10th is Pine Mountain Trails. Pine Mountain Trails is in southeastern Oklahoma. You might have saw last week, you might have saw the video, or we showed it this morning, that this is an organization that they have thousands of acres, and you go down there and you ride your little four-wheeler or you ride your side-by-side, and they do different rides and trails to benefit. We were there last year, but got, got killed on those rocks. But um, it's, it's, it's not for really motorcycles, it's more for side-by-sides. But they um, contacted us and said, we want to help you guys. We, we have never asked them to do this, but they decided to do it again this year. And they've already donated nearly 50 bikes towards Bikes for Kids, and they've raised over $1,000 so far, and the event hasn't even happened yet. So that happens this weekend, so if you have a side-by-side, you want to go down there, I'll be heading down there Friday, I can't be there Saturday. So uh, that's an organization that's helping, and you can go down there and have fun for a weekend. Oh, they also attend Bikes for Kids, so we'll introduce them, and you'll get to meet some of them. Okay, November the 21st, as of last Wednesday, I believe, we ordered $30,000 worth of bicycles. That's about, I believe that's about 400 bicycles. At 8.30 a.m., November the 21st, everybody that's got a truck and a trailer, I don't care if it's raining, shining, sleeting, we've delivered these bicycles when it was sleeting before. We have to go get these bicycles November the 21st from Norman, uh, I, I think it's Academy. So we're going to be doing that. They're already ordered. They're on their way. Remember, we've already sent out 10,000 letters over a week ago to schools all over the community. And for the very first year, we're going to be giving away uh, mountain bikes to sixth graders. This is our first year to be able to do this. So we're, we're giving away more bikes. That's the plan to give away more bikes. So uh, there we go. Um, December the 14th and the 15th. Okay, December the 14th is when we go over to the Expo Center. That'll be a Friday that we set up all of these bicycles. If, uh, you know, put them all in line, put them all in number. Every kid is given a specific number for the size of bicycle. We don't just bring in kids and put them all in a line and you go grab your bike. Every kid has has, has a specific particular bike for them. We know their name, we know their size, we know the size of it, we know their story. They send us letters. So every bike has a kid's name on it that, that we deliver. So that's, we put them over there the 14th. The 15th is the event itself. Um, the event day, I've, I've got a few notes. We've got to arrive early. We're doing haircuts that day for some of the families that are coming in. So keep in mind that if you're giving away 500 bikes, you've got, um, you've got 500 families. 
So there's about 2,000 to 2,500 people at this event, not counting us, about 250 of us that are doing this. So we give away, uh, so we're doing a local salon, is partnering with another local salon, and they're giving haircuts. We partner with somebody that's giving away coats, so you can, you can give coats towards this. If it's, if it's gently used or brand new, we're going to be receiving coats, and we're going to be giving those away. We're going to be giving away, we're trying to work with an organization. We've always been able to give away helmets. We're working on that. Cookies. T-shirt sign-up, all these things take place in the foyer. We need about 5,000 cookies. We make cookies every single year to give to the families. And like I said before, a new thing is we're giving away coats. Another new thing is if somebody is partnering with us to give away Bibles to every family. So we're going to have Bibles to give away, a table full of that. So that's, that's a really cool thing. So you might be thinking, all right, Travis, you're covering a lot. What, what do you want me to do? I'm glad you asked that. That's exactly what you were thinking. What can I do? right? Okay, so number one is pray. Pray about this. There's, there's nothing that can be done here unless God comes through. There's a lot of things that have to happen. People have to give. How, may, how, many, how much money's worth of bicycles did I say that we ordered? Guess how much we have raised? 3,000. So God's got to come through, all right? He's got to come through through you, okay? I'm praying that God is going to enrich your life, that God's going to bless you to be able to give. We always do it. Another thing is there are other organizations that, that give towards us. So pray about that. Another thing is give your best gift throughout this campaign. Don't miss the opportunity to give. Remember, guys, we get to do this. This is not something that we have to do. When you are a part, if you've never been a part of Bikes for Kids, when you're there on that day, you'll feel that. We get, I can't believe we get to do this. People that have never come to that event come to that and said, I had no idea. This is the most incredible thing. So, and while I'm thinking of it, another thing is maybe you're like, yeah, Travis, I just don't have the cash right now. I'm strapped. I don't have the money. Check this out. We, are, we have partnered with an organization that contacted us, somebody goes to our church, and, he, and he, when he heard about Bikes for Kids, his name's James. James, you here? Oh, right here. James is, he's, or, has an organization called 5 to 10. Is that right? 5 to 10. And what, they, he's, what he said he would do is their organization, he brought his dad in, I believe he's from Texas, and they sat down with us. He said, if you will bring us your old phones, if you've upgraded your phone within the last a couple of years or whatever, you can take your old phone instead of giving it to them for nothing. You can give it to us, and they can sell it for up to two or three hundred dollars. Uh, laptops, iPads, any kind of tablet or whatever. If you don't have the green, you know, to help us out with bikes for kids, give us your old phone, and that's worth some cash. All right. So that's another way that you can give. All right. You'll be hearing more about that throughout the week. There's signage back there that you can do that. All right. So so pray. Number one. Number two, give. Number three, serve. Whatever you do. Awkward pause. Is that working? Whatever you do, sign up and go to Bikes for Kids. Do not miss this event. I'm telling you, I would sign up and serve because you don't want to miss what that is. I can't express to you what this event is like. I, can't, I, I never do a very good job of telling you what it's like. You need to be a part of it. You need to see what Faith Co., what God is doing through Faith Co. Church, okay? So I'm going to ask our ushers if they'll come, and we're going to begin uh, this with, with our, our Give Sunday. We're going to do this every single year. We're going to kick off our year in giving for whatever we do. You guys don't have to stand. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to receive this offering and get busy with the rest of the message. I'm going to cut today's message a little bit short. Is that okay? <laughs> All right. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, that we get to do this. Thank you, Lord, that we get to to serve and give and be a part of this. Your word says it is more blessed to give than to receive. It is truly a blessing to give. 
So as we give today, you will bless every home, every life. Strengthen us, Lord. Also, Lord, bless every person that gives. Multiply the gift. And I pray, Lord, that every single kid that is wanting a bike, every single kid will get a bike this year. And your resources and you give us above and beyond what we need. And those who give, Lord, will be enriched in every way that we can continue to be generous. And this we thank you for, Lord, that you will get the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So as they receive this offering, I'm going to go ahead and get started. If I can find my message. What we've been talking about is we've been talking about the names given to the devil because his name reveals his nature. His name reveals his nature. For example, the devil is called a liar. Well, that reveals something about him. The devil is called a deceiver. That reveals something about him. So that's why we're talking about the devil because he uses those particular things to try to destroy our lives. It reveals his nature. In 1 Peter 5 and 7, it says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. So the devil is on this quest to destroy lives. He, he's on a quest to destroy your life, but he can't do it without your help. Now, you would never sign up to help him, but what he would do is he would draw you into a situation through temptation in order. You're going to do it. He's just going to give you the opportunity, and he's going to make sure that you have what you need to, to derail your life. So here's what we want to do. We want to talk about him being the tempter and how we can overcome his schemes. Lord, bless us as we, as we dive into this message today. Change our lives where we need it, and may we grow in, your, in the knowledge of what it is to attack our enemy and overcome his schemes. In Christ's name, everybody said, look at your neighbor and said, the devil helped me do it. Because the devil can't make you do anything. The devil made me do it. He can't make you do anything, but he can sure get you where you need to go. Remember his temptation scheme is in living color in Matthew 4 and 1 where he tempts Christ after Jesus has been fasting. Matthew 4 and 1 says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, and after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you on their hands. They shall bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test and again, the devil took him up to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory all in one setting. And he said to him, all these things I will give to you if you fall down and worship me. And then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Now last week we established that the devil is going to tempt you when you are most vulnerable. Like, he didn't go at Jesus when Jesus was on his very first day of fasting. 
He went to him on the 40th day when he was hungry, he was tired, and when he was lonely. So we have to understand that the enemy is going to do that. He's going to come at you when you're at a low point in your life. But what I want to cover today is that he's not only going to go at you uh, when you're down, he's going to go at you where you're most vulnerable. Not only when you're most vulnerable, but where in your life you're most vulnerable. So we're going to think about that today. In Romans 8 and 28, it says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew he also predestined. In other words, that last stanza there, he predestined, he foreknew, means that God has a plan for our lives. Now, he has also a plan for our lives even when something bad happens. For we know that all things work to our good. Now, God's plan for your life isn't that only good things happen to you. We are not exempt from bad things happening in your life. Sometimes things just, things hit us hard or things happen or we lose people. Bad things happen. We get injured. We get down. So God, God does not cause those things, but God's plan is that God will, 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 will take those t- things in our lives that are bad and he will turn it out for our good, even to the extent that when we are past that, that we can look back to the bad things that happened to us and say, you know what, had it not been, I'm not thankful for the bad thing, but you know what, had it not been for that bad thing that happened, I would have never received this incredible thing that God has done in my life. So that's God's plan, that even though bad things happen, he will turn those around and make those for our good. But just like God has a plan for your life, the devil has a plan for your life. That when something bad happens to your life, when you're down, when you're feeling lonely, when you're angry, when you're hungry, when, when you feel deserted, when you feel abandoned, when things, just, when things are terrible in your life, the enemy's got a plan for your life. At that moment, that's when he's going to come to you and he's going to say, hey, don't worry about that. I got something better. He's going to tempt you at that moment and he's going to try to draw you away with sin. Hey, Living for God, it's really not working in your life. Come over here and do this and try this. And then you kind of delve into sin, and that's the plan of the enemy, that, that, that when you're down, it's going to go from bad to worse because of the sin that he tries to tempt you to do. Are you with me? That's his scheme. But if you hold on to God, God will take you through any situation because we know that all things work together for, for good. So what does it look like? What does it look like for the devil to come at you where you're most vulnerable in your life? Number one, it looks like this. He's going to come at you where you are struggling, where you are struggling. In Matthew 5 and 4, to back up and read this again, he takes Jesus up to a pinnacle of the temple, and he tells him, he says, if you are who you say you are, Jump off this pinnacle and let's see if you are who you say you are. Because the word says that if you are the son of God, that the angels will not let you, that it won't let you crash to the ground. So now it's a theological debate whether or not Jesus could be tempted because he's, he's God and he's also God, he's, he's God in the flesh kind of a thing. But I believe that Jesus had a human side. That's why he was able to die, because he had a human side. But if, if he were tempted, I believe that it would be, I believe that there would be a temptation of Jesus to prove himself, especially with the devil, his adversary, the devil that he knew very well, that was in his presence for a season. It would be, it would probably, you know, prove yourself if you are who you say you are, maybe a little bit of temptation. The, the, the temptation there, I believe, would be pride. 
And if you think about Jesus, I believe throughout his entire ministry, he resisted the temptation to prove himself that he was God. Now, he would do and he would perform miracles, but that was more of a necessity and for mercy and to show compassion to people, feed the 5,000s, raise people from the dead, things like that. But walking on water, that didn't happen in broad daylight. That happened in night, at night when nobody was looking. That was, that was not a, a miracle, you know, in order to, to help people out. That was to get from point A to point B. And he needed to get to the disciples, also to prove himself to his disciples, but it wasn't, if it, he didn't walk out at, you know, at the Sea of Galilee and say, everybody listen, I'm telling you I'm God, and to prove that I'm God, check this out. He didn't do that. The transfiguration where he met with Elijah and Moses, and the Bible says that his whole appearance changed and began to glow. Jesus told them, he said, don't, don't tell anybody what you just saw. He would tell them those things because it wasn't about pride. So let me ask you this. What do you struggle with? That's very important to ask yourself. It's important to know what you struggle with because what you struggle with is what the enemy is going to try to use to tempt you and draw you away into sin. Do you struggle with pride? Do you struggle with anger, substance abuse, sexual sin, lying? If you'll keep it a secret, and here's the deal. Whatever you struggle with, the enemy wants you to keep that secret. So how do we combat that? Your struggle should be brought into accountability, bring accountability into your struggle. How do you do that? Well, the Bible says confess your faults to one another. So here's what we're going to do for the rest of the service. We're going to bring everybody up on stage. No, you don't do it like that. It ain't about that. It's about people that you trust, people that are in your connect group, people that you love, people that you tell anything that you can trust with, but you let people know what's going on because the enemy wants you to keep that secret, you know, lie to you and say people treat you differently, people won't like you. What do you struggle with? We'll bring accountability to your struggle, and that brings healing. That's, that helps you overcome. The second thing, the second way he's going to try to get you, number one is struggle, where you struggle. The second is where you're strongest. You know that you can be led astray with your strengths. It says the devil took him to a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. I would suppose if you are me, I mean, it's not a big take. I would have all the kingdoms of the world. I don't know if I really want something like that. But if you are a God in the flesh, and that's something that you already have worked out with the Father, that you're going to be all powerful one of these days, and you're going to rule and reign the universe one of these days, that's already in the conversation. So I don't know if it'd be a real big temptation to me, but to, a temptation to Jesus, but there was a certain path that God told Jesus he would have to take. You're going to have to humble yourself, take on the form, take off your divine nature, take on the form of a servant. You're going to walk through life. You're going to act like a human. People are going to spit on you. People are going to be able to, people are going to, be able to harm you. And one of these days, people will actually kill you, and you're going to go by way of the cross. And by doing this, you subject yourself to my will, I will give you the authority. The Bible says because he humbled himself even to the extent of the cross, to die by way of the cross, God has exalted him, given him a name above all names that every tongue, that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is the Lord. Everything has been placed under his feet. We don't see it now, but it's coming one of these days. So here was the temptation. The devil said to him, hey man, the whole world, the whole world sins on you Forget that, man. 
Crucifixion by Romans? You're a god. Michael answered, the angel, archangel, Michael answers to you. You're going to let the Romans crucify you? Forget that, man. Just take a knee, and I'll give you the, the kingdoms of the world, and you'll have an easy way out. Don't do that. Let me ask you something. Where in your life are your strengths? Because your strengths have a way to be your greatest weaknesses if they're not used for God. Think about it for a second. People with the ability to sing, and I don't think that you have to necessarily always be a Christian singer, but there are people that use their gift to sing to draw people away from God. There are people that use their gift in music. There are people with, with, with certain talents. There are people with a gift to make money. God has given them the ability, and people will abuse that. People have been given certain power and certain authority. People abuse that. God, will, God will, wants you to use your strength for his glory and for his good, but the enemy will, will draw you away and say, hey, this is for you. Hey, beauty is a strength. I mean, it reminds me of something when I was, when I was back in college and I used to model, uh, well, truthfully, it only lasted a couple of weeks. They let me go after two weeks because they said I was overqualified. <laughs> None of that's true, okay? <laughs> I barely graduated. Um, listen, I don't care what it is. If you have a strength in it, the enemy is going to try to tempt you into sin to use that strength to get what you want instead of giving glory to God. Amen? So we have to be, listen to how Jesus combats that. He says this, Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. In other words, Jesus was saying, My power comes from God, and I will give glory to God with my power and my, my strengths. That's what we do. It's about God. It's not about me. Amen? Lastly, the devil's going to come at you where you struggle. He's going to come at you where you're the strongest, and lastly, he's going to come at you where you are searching. And this is the area where people get blindsided. This is the area that people, when it happens to people, they don't see it coming. It is astounding to me what people will do when they feel something is missing or they're searching for something. Something's missing from my life. It amazes me what people will do, how far they will go, what they will lose, what they will give up up even to the extent like the prodigal son that walked away from his life and got to a place where he didn't even recognize himself i've seen people search for something that was missing from their lives and by the time by the time sin took its course they didn't even look like the same person they didn't act like the same person they really weren't the same person they lose themselves that's what the devil wants to do in second samuel 11 1 i want to go back to last week's story that i started about david and bathsheba it says, in the spring of the year when kings normally went to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Amorites. They destroyed the Amorite army and they laid siege to the city of Rabbah. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. Late one afternoon after his midday rest, I read all this last week so I'm going to kind of paraphrase. David got up out of bed and was walking on the roof of the palace. As he looked out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. One thing led to another. Then she said to David, she sent uh, David a message saying, I'm pregnant. I skipped a lot there. Can you tell? <laughs> One thing led to another. All right. Um, so here's the deal. Here's, here's what I want you to David, this giant slayer, this, this man of God, man after God's own heart, 
This guy that would lead Israel to all of their victories and make the greatest kingdom. David, the, the guy that wrote the book of Psalms, or most of the book of Psalms, that, that was very passionate about God, that, that led all of these men, and people admired him, and because David was a man of valor, he raised up 30 other men that were, that were fierce. This David, this warrior king, after God's own heart, he has an affair with one of his officer's wife, Uriah's wives. He gets her pregnant. He has Uriah come home from fighting, leaves his men in the field, and he tries to get him drunk in order to go home and sleep with his wife so he can hide the fact that he got his wife pregnant. And when his plan doesn't work, he puts together this plan to have Uriah killed, and he writes this letter, and he seals it with the king's seal, but this letter, he gives it to Uriah. What Uriah doesn't know, it's its own death sentence. And he gives that to Joab, David's right-hand commander, and Joab reads it. All right, guys, here's what we're going to do. We're going to get Uriah up against the wall, and once we get him there, we're going to back away, and we're going to let him be killed. Don't worry about it. It just happens. The 26th verse says, when Uriah's wife heard that her husband was dead, she mourned him. Here's another thing that David does. He mourns his commander, and after a season of about 30 days of mourning, he brings Bathsheba in to be his wife, and he, he pretends to mourn as an act of mercy. When Uriah's wife heard that her husband was dead, she mourned for him. When her period of mourning was over, David sent for her and brought her to the palace, and she became one of his wives. She gave birth to a son, and they lived happily ever after. That's what people think. When people, I mean, when people go after something so hard and it causes them to sin, they're thinking, if I can just get there, if I can just get past this sin, if I can just get past this, we'll all live happily ever after. The verse says, but the Lord was displeased with what David had done. You know, what's amazing to me is there was no repentance in, this, in David's life. That when this goes down, he doesn't repent to God, he doesn't pray, he doesn't admit to his, that he's wrong. He was actually, as you can see in the next chapter, you can see that he's mad at the fact that he didn't get what he wanted, that he had to get it like this, and he kind of blames God. You know, there's a lie, to our, that we, there's a lie we tell ourselves that, that if you lose sight of who you are, it doesn't matter what you do. David had lost sight of who he was. We talked about this last week. He lost sight of the fact that he was a king. He, lose, he lost sight of who, what God was doing in his life. And when you lose sight of who you are, to you, it really doesn't matter what you do. I guess it really doesn't matter. This isn't me anyway anymore. How did this even happen? In the, in the 12th chapter, God sends someone to remind David who he was and that God wasn't going to let him go. He sends this old prophet, Nathan, to David. And Nathan walks in to the king's court because he's a prophet. He says, David, I want to tell you a story. Because nobody would, no, it's the king, it's King David. Nobody would mess with David. Nobody would say, hey, man, you did something wrong here. So Nathan walked in and he said, David, I want to tell you a story. There, was this, there were these two men, this one rich man, had all of these sheep. And he had plenty of them. And then there was this, this one poor man, and all he had was this little baby lamb, this, this ewe lamb that he treated like a daughter, and he raised him, and he, he fed, him from, fed this little baby lamb from his own table. And this rich guy had somebody coming into town, and he had, he had this dinner to prepare. And so still, instead of getting from the thousands of sheep that he had, he ran over and he stole this guy's little lamb. 
and he slaughtered that lamb, and he fed his guest. And the Bible says that David stood up, and he said, as sure as I live, this man deserves to die. He has to repay four times over for the sin that he's committed. And Nathan looked at him, and he said, you are the man. Here's what God tells you, David. I took you from a shepherd's field as a boy. You were nothing. And I brought you into the king's court, and I brought you here, and I gave you everything that you have. And if that were enough, I would have given you anything that you ever wanted. Why did you sin like this and steal Uriah's wife and murder him in the field? Why did you do that? And all of a sudden, here's here's the point. David goes, I sinned. I mean, yeah, you did. But up until that point, it never dawned on him until he heard this story because he forgot who he was. And when you forget who you are, it doesn't, you forget that what you're supposed to be doing. Here's a good rule of thumb, my friend. If it causes you to sin, it's not of God. I believe what was going on in his life. Here's what I think was going on. Why, why would David do this? I've looked at it and looked at it. Why in the world did this happen? He was 50 years old. Something was missing from David's life. Something was missing. I, I believe that's why he didn't go to fight like he normally fights. It wasn't in the fight. Something's missing. I'll stay home this time. Something's missing. Something, he's sleeping in the middle of the day. He's unhappy. He's restless. He walks out to his, to his window. He looks over the city and the next building over on a roof is a beautiful woman taking a bath. And, he, and as he looked at her, I believe the devil spoke into his life and said, there it is. That's what's missing from your life. The enemy will go after you where something's missing. So let me ask you a question. What, what is missing from your life? What do you, what do you long for? A lot of times that's, 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 that's where, you know, when we're thinking, is, is it success? Is it finances? Is, is that what's missing from your life? Because if, if that's missing and it causes you to sin, to go to the next level, do something illegal, to lie, is that what it, because here's the deal. The devil has a decoy. A decoy is a distraction. A decoy is, is an imitation of the real thing in order to draw you in so something can kill you. You know what a duck decoy is, right? There's been many, many ducks lose their lives throughout the years because they fell for that decoy. The devil has decoys. What's missing from your life as far as maybe you're here and you don't have a spouse? A lot of times, and I tell my kids this, don't seek for a mate. Don't go looking for somebody. Let God bring somebody into your life. Yeah, go to church. Be a part of environments where people live for God. But don't seek for someone because that's how you get a decoy. And here's the deal. The devil has thousands of decoys for people that are looking for somebody. He looks, he he attacks us where we're searching. What about in your marriage? What's missing from your marriage? This is what gets us a lot of times in church. What's missing from your marriage? Don't answer that. Because everybody's missing something in their marriage. Everybody feels sorry for themselves in their marriage, whether it's validated or not, okay? Whether it's legit or not. Everybody feels like that sometimes. Something's missing. But I'm telling you right now, whatever's missing, is it affection? Is it tenderness? Is it romance? 
Is it conversation? Is it companionship? Man, it's getting quiet in here now. Pastor, you're supposed to talk about relationships in February. I'm telling you, I see the enemy draw people away from things that are missing in their marriage. And you know how it works. The devil sends a decoy into your life. If it's, if it's conversation that's missing, God's, the devil's going to send a decoy with somebody that says the right things. If it's romance, the devil's going to send a decoy in that, that shows you a little bit of time and romance or whatever. What's missing? You don't fall for the decoy. You attack what's wrong in your marriage and you fix what's going on. You never give up on your marriage. Amen? Because the enemy is trying to pursue you in areas where you are searching. Remember, if you have to sin to get what you want, it's not for you. There are a lot of people that go after something, go after a spouse, go after, try to, that leads them into sin and tell themselves, well, on the other side of it, it'll be worth it. If it causes you to sin, it is not from God, therefore it is not for you. Amen? David will lose a son over this situation, but the point is that the devil tempts us when we are searching for what we feel is missing. I want to close with this. The devil tempts us when we are vulnerable and where we are vulnerable. The point of the temptation is to draw you into a place where you lose yourself. And if he can do that, he'll destroy your life. It reminds me of the story in the Luke 8 chapter when Jesus went across the sea and he stepped out on the boat and as he did, there was a man that approached him. The Bible says that was severely demon-possessed, and he comes and he kneels down. And the very first thing that Jesus says to him is, what is your name? The man should have said Michael or Paul or John, whatever his name was, but he was so overtaken with the enemy and so drawn away with sin that he couldn't even say his name. He said, Legion. The demon spoke through him. He said, Legion, for we are many. He lost himself. This man was somebody's son probably somebody's husband. This was a guy that was somebody loved, that somebody cared about. This was a guy in the, in the community, but he'd fallen into sin. He'd probably fallen into a trap of the enemy, decided to go a certain way, and it took him to a place where he wasn't even himself. The Bible says that, that he had superhuman strength. He was running around buck naked. The Bible doesn't say buck, but I'm telling you, he was completely naked. The Bible says he had the ability to break chains and he lived in tombs and he howled at night and he cut himself. He was a complete monster. And anytime he came around, people ran from him and finally he runs to Jesus and the first thing that Jesus says to him is, man, you're not yourself. What's your name? A lot of times an EMT, emergency response person, when somebody is suffering trauma, when they're trapped in a situation, a lot of times when they're like, they're like, they're scared and they're frantic, a lot of times they will look at them and they will say, hey, what is your name? And if they can speak their names, what it will do is it will calm them. It will calm them because it reminds them, I'm a human. Even in the worst situations, hey, I'm a human. I have a family. I have a father. I, have, I am loved. Okay, okay. I'm Travis. What's your name? It's an act of mercy. That's what Jesus was doing. He said, hey, look at you. You forgot who you are. And after Jesus healed him and delivered him, 
The Bible says he was fully clothed, seated down. Isn't it funny how when people give their life to Christ, they put their clothes back on? <laughs> Come on, try to stay focused. And then Jesus did some incredible things through his life. I want to tell you, the enemy wants to draw you away with sin and then get you in a place where you're not even yourself. But if I can leave you with something today, I will tell you, your actions are not who you are. What you're doing right now, if you're wrapped up in sin, that's not you. You have a father. You have a home. You have a family. You are loved. You just got to come home. Amen? Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for bringing us here today. And, and thank you, Lord, for speaking to us. I pray, Lord, that you will minister to every person wherever we are. May we remember that we have a home and we are loved. In Jesus' name. As your heads are bowed, maybe you're here and you can say, Travis, I'm struggling with something. I live for God. He's Lord and Savior of my life, but I'm struggling with something. The enemy's trying to attack my life. The enemy's trying to tempt me in a lot of different areas. Maybe he's trying to get you where you're strong. Maybe he's trying to get you where you're struggling. Or maybe where, even where you're searching, you know that the enemy is trying to draw you away. See, see Travis, I want to agree with you in prayer. I'd like to pray with you. If you're seated next to somebody you love or you're close to and they want to pray with you, just take their hand and say, I want to pray with you if you want to. There's power in people coming together and praying. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for every person that's here and thank you, Lord, because we serve you. But Lord, sometimes the enemy tries to tempt us and draw us away. And I pray, Lord, that you will speak to every person. And I pray, Lord, that we eliminate any sin that would try to destroy our lives. And Lord, I pray, God, that you'll bring us back to you. Lord, let us not, not get so wrapped up in sin that we forget who we are. And Lord, help us to bring accountability to our lives where we struggle that it won't be secret but we confess our faults and we thank you for it in the name of Jesus if you receive that say amen